let's get agreement that this is a strategic priority. That area of alignment and synergy can be very Looking important. The future, we're committed to expand valuation. time, there's still progress that needs to be made. This is Healthcare Strategies. Hello, and welcome to Healthcare Strategies. I'm Veronica Salib, Assistant Editor of Life Sciences Intelligence and Pharma News Intelligence at Extelligent Healthcare Media. Today, we're sitting down with Gretchen Berlin, Senior Partner at McKinsey & Company and a registered nurse. Gretchen recently published data on female representation in the healthcare workforce, highlighting a lack of female representation in executive healthcare positions. Today, we'll dive deeper into the data and how healthcare systems can improve workforce diversity. Welcome, Gretchen, and thank you so much for being the guest on this episode. Thanks for having me, Veronica. It's great to be here. Okay, great. I'm just going to go ahead and hop into my questions. Can you begin by explaining workforce trends for women in healthcare? Sure. Workforce trends for women in healthcare really reflect a lot of what we see in other industries with one big difference, and that is there are more women in healthcare at almost every level than what we see in other industries. So on one hand, that's great. Unfortunately, though, the trends that are consistent are we see pretty significant drop-off from entry level all the way through to the C-suite. And so what you see in the healthcare data that we published this year is about 75% of the entry level staff are actually women, but that drops off to 32% by the time you get to the C-suite. And that, you know, the 75% compares to only about 50% in other industries and the 32% is slightly higher, but it is an equal issue in terms of losing the female representation throughout the funnel. I think it's really interesting that you pointed out that there is a lot more women in healthcare, but unfortunately, they're not reaching those higher level positions. And so with that said, why do you think that is? What do you think are the barriers that are in place that are causing that? Yeah, we've been tracking this for a few years now. So this data comes from McKinsey's partnership with the Lean In Foundation on the women in the workplace research. And the women in healthcare, we've been doing the cuts now for, I believe this is our fourth year. And we have seen a slight increase in representation at all levels, which is great to see. In fact, this year is almost 10% increase in the senior vice president level actually compared to last year. But we still see that the entry levels to senior levels really drop off. The entry level in healthcare, because we are also looking at healthcare systems where you have a lot of frontline caregivers, those are still disproportionately women in the frontline. And so those numbers are in there. What we do see though is the persistence of what we have dubbed kind of the broken rung. And as leaders of all types go up for promotion, is often a place where unconscious bias creeps into the process or the reverse, the kind of mini-me effect where leaders are more likely to promote people who look and act like them comes in. We also saw across industries this year that women are reporting more likely to be consistently feeling burnt out than men and more likely to potentially downshift their career and therefore you know, maybe actually opting out of going forward. So we still see big drop-offs at promotion points. As I said, in the healthcare pipeline, you see it pretty starkly when you start to get to the VP level. But this year, we also saw higher attrition at almost all levels compared to men, and most notably in the C-suites. One thing I would just note is by the time you, know, you and I are speaking, it's probably almost a year since the data was really collected. 
And so I feel like we always kind of hold our breath when we see this data because it's starting to show trends that unfortunately are likely to continue to persist into the data that we're starting to collect now as we've had you know women actually downshift their careers. We've had senior women, especially in healthcare with everything they've gone through, leaders of all genders and races retire and things. I think it's really interesting that you point out that women tend to have higher rates of burnout. And I'm sure that there's some sort of psychosocial reasoning behind that as well. You know, obviously, that's an issue that will need to be addressed moving forward with the COVID pandemic and everything. But you've mentioned a few different things, including unconscious bias and and the mini-me concept. Can you define these and dig into how they affect women in healthcare? (laughs) Sure. I mean, I think both of them are a little bit of just human nature, where we all as individuals reflect the experiences that we've had. And that's kind of the frame that we bring to the world. And so whether that is you as a white male who hasn't experienced some of the challenges that a woman of color may, or perhaps you haven't interacted with a lot of women of color in a professional context, you may enter that situation with a certain amount of unconscious bias about what your colleague and their experiences are that they're bringing into the room, which may or may not be remotely accurate. And so how do you actually bring objective commonality into the room? How do you, you know, if you're in a sort of review process, obviously, how do you bring objective facts to the table to get rid of that unconscious bias and kind of assumptions that you're making, maybe even not deliberately, but just based on the experiences you've had in the process. And then the mini-me concept is for anyone being naturally drawn to individuals like them with common experiences. And so, you know, for me, like white women from central Pennsylvania who also went to nursing school, you know, you, you end up having a commonality with folks. And how do you make sure that you're not disproportionately supporting and therefore leaving out other populations? Very interesting. I want to shift a little bit and talk about, even though we have fewer women in senior level positions, how diverse is the female healthcare workforce and does that change based on employment level? So, you know, whether that's ethnicity, socioeconomic status or so on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a really important question. Our data doesn't actually ask about socioeconomic status, but we do look at white women and white men versus women of color and men of color. And consistent with the drop-offs that I mentioned, we see that and then some in women of color. So that drop-off goes from 26% of representation at the entry level for women of color and goes the whole way down to only 4% by the time we get to the C-suite. So women of color are even less represented than white women at the front end, and they drop off faster as you get to the C-suite. I would just note, actually, that men of color, too, are underrepresented throughout. Interestingly, though, they are about 10% at the entry level and are pretty consistent all the way through the C-suite. So it's a slightly different challenge for men of color with less drop-off throughout the funnel and just underrepresentation throughout. Yeah, that's very intriguing. And I think that that goes to show you that you can't discuss diversity without discussing intersectionality and the other factors that play into um, growing in these executive positions. I want to pivot a little bit and talk about how this impacts patient outcomes and research directions. Mm -hmm. Obviously, having 
more women in senior positions may help facilitate more research for, you know, female specific diseases. But if you can just describe a little bit more of that, that'd be great. Yeah, I think it impacts overall performance of an organization, which we've seen in our, we've done some other research called Diversity Matters that literally shows that the more diverse leadership teams were, organizations had higher performance. And you can see that in shareholder returns, etc. We haven't done that research explicitly for healthcare organizations, but I think it's pretty intuitive to make the link that that would probably hold true for all areas of performance and kind of performance outcomes. Obviously, in healthcare, as you alluded to, it's really important that the whole workforce is a reflection of the population. And there's a lot of scientific evidence about making sure that, you know, a frontline care team, for example, reflects the patient base as you have greater outcomes in cardiac patients who are women being treated by women or the outcomes on populations in rural parts of the country when they have providers of color present versus not. And you can see these pretty clearly in life sciences, obviously representation in trials and you know the outcomes that that can have on innovation or even the research that gets funded. And I know there's a lot of efforts now to really support research for women, femtech, etc., which will be really important. But to your other comment on intersectionality, even all women are not created equal. And there's a lot more that can be done there. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about the problems and, and the issues with the lack of diversity. Can we discuss a little bit of how to fix them? So how can the healthcare sector improve the gender discrepancies in executive level employment? And what benchmarks can they use to ensure that they're making equitable decisions? Yeah, unfortunately, there isn't a silver bullet. And at the end of the day, we're talking about changing, you know, human behavior on like vast scales. But a couple of things that we recommend, which, you know, in each of these buckets, we represent that some of them are actually just table stakes versus leading. So organizations are at different places on each of them. But as a foundation, just actually tracking where you are, understanding the makeup of your workforce, understanding the makeup of that workforce in pockets. One of my favorite examples in in healthcare is you look across the board and you see all of these women, but when you look sometimes in various pockets, like for certain organizations, that's finance or other organizations, it's IT, it looks very different. And so understanding the status and the progress you're making at a granular level in your organization is obviously foundational. Then actually holding people accountable to them. So not just looking at it, but how are you using it? Some organizations are tying financial incentives to it, but at least having it part of your ongoing dialogues around performance in whatever cell of the business or organization that you're looking at. But then, as I said, it's really change management for all individuals, for managers, and embedded in your processes. So given, certainly as we look at the pipeline, the real focus on hiring, on reviews for promotion, making sure that the individuals who are leading that have the training and are equipped with the language to help debias the process and debias the situation, kicking off the process with a reminder of things to look out for around stereotypical language of certain folks being quiet or certain folks seeming angry or certain folks are just a quote unquote good guy without facts behind it. You know, how do you make things more objective can be very helpful. And just training managers to create an inclusive environment on an ongoing basis. The last thing I would say is just support for 
diverse groups, whether that's through targeted support for career development, additional training and coaching that they may not naturally come their way through just organic mentorship and benefits and support for caregivers and families in particular, as we talk about women. And back to the burnout point, a lot of what we found is women are reporting that because they still take on a disproportionate share of work at home. And then I want to ask, can you provide any examples of success in diversifying the healthcare work- workforce? And I know you mentioned there's no silver bullet, but yeah, any examples and what challenges do these organizations or these people face when they're trying to implement this diversity? I think most organizations at this point, and certainly in healthcare, especially with some of the data that we talked about earlier on outcomes, are really committed to this. And we see some visible changes in senior leadership roles in particular with external hiring. But one example I would call out who's been quite public is HCSC, which is an insurer. You can see pretty impressive gender and racial diversity on their leadership team. They also have stated commitments and based on their most recent public report, have seen improvements year on year. And you know they say that they're doing that through appointments, through incentives for outcomes, through tracking, and robust sort of resource groups for employees. A lot of these things, you know, many companies say that they're doing. And so I think some of it is the secret sauce in how organizations are doing it. The other thing I would call out is there's an organization of about 12 or so health systems in the equity collaborative, which has a three-year commitment to each other for just annual tracking and transparency to share with one another, support for one another, and building diverse talent, and then additional training and collaboration on recruiting and retention initiatives to help get rid of some of the bias that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, that that equity collaboration sounds very interesting, because they are all keeping each other accountable. It's not just a matter of, you know, internally saying you're going to do something and then never actually following through, which I think is really important to pushing us towards a more diverse workforce. Yeah. And then my final question is, what challenges do you expect moving forward in this space? Obviously, we've made a little bit of progress from where we were years ago, and we're hoping to make more progress. But do you anticipate any more difficulties moving forward? I think the biggest challenges are, as we've been talking about, at the end of the day, it's changing human behavior. And that is heart. It takes everyday actions, you know, genuine curiosity and support for each other. And we're impatient. And while we see increased representation, as I said, you know, at all levels in the data that we're seeing, the pipelines take a long time to progress from promotions from folks at the front of the funnel to later on. So I think that is one thing. I think retention is easier said than done in the current environment with some of the burnout levels that we're talking about. And as I said, I I hold my breath a bit for the data still to come on that. And then the last thing is, you know, a lot of organizations are watching upcoming legal rulings for just what's going to be allowed on tracking and communicating in this space. And while managing metrics and communicating is not necessarily the panacea to reaching the environment that you want, it is where a lot of organizations have started and so are watching that. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Gretchen, for joining us. For our listeners, we would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out with any healthcare-related questions or subjects that you think we should cover by emailing us at vsalib at techtarget.com. And if you like this episode, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.
This is a Tech Target production. 